And then the sanctions make sense. The lockdowns during the pandemic make sense. All of these weird policies, all these energy policies that have led to shortages of energy, they all make sense if it's all about. Hello and welcome to the Fortune and Freedom podcast, where Nigel Farage and Nikolai Hubble give you a unique take on what's really going on in the world of finance, investing and politics. We hope you sit back and enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to This Week in Review with Nigel Farage. Nigel, it's all about sanctions this week. It's all turning into a bit of a farce, if you ask me. And we're going to dig into what's really going on behind the scenes as you see it. But let's start with just why I've called it a farce. The latest episode is all about gold and used to work in metals markets. So what's your perception of the sanctions that the EU and the G7 have placed on Russian gold exports? Well, from the EU perspective, there aren't any. There aren't any. They're going to go on buying Russian gold. We're going to stop buying Russian gold in London, but they're going to go on buying Russian gold. They're going to go on buying Russian gas. They're going to go on buying Russian oil. The EU is funding Putin's war in Ukraine. The hypocrisy of this. On the very day that the leaders of France and Germany are in Madrid for the NATO summit, oh, we're all together and we're all unified. It's nonsense. And you could argue, actually, but when it comes to sanctions and the overall economic war, the so-called economic war that we've waged against Putin over the course of the last few months, that actually he's the winner. He's the winner because he's developed new markets. He's selling more oil and gas and coal to China and India than he ever was selling before this started. The Europeans are totally dependent upon Russian supplies, as Donald Trump warned them a few years ago, but they laughed. Um, And here we are in the UK um, trying to play the good guy, um, but finishing up getting hurt by those very sanctions and the impact that it's had on prices as well. And if anybody out there disbelieves me, just have a look at the value of the ruble against other currencies. Remember when the war started and the sanctions were mentioned, the price of the ruble fell. The ruble is now higher when Putin launched the war. So, yeah, we can be virtuous and we can say wonderful things at G7 summits when we all look trendy without our ties and aren't we cool and down with the kids. But the truth of it is, it's not working. Putin, believe me, Putin is winning the economic war. In hindsight, you and I should have dressed in white shirts and rolled up our sleeves in solidarity with the, with the leaders of the G7. Just to, I don't to... think so, no. <laughs> what fascinates me about all of this is that it's so obvious. That's what I don't understand here. I mean, gold and oil are fungible. Sanctioning them just isn't going to work. And yet the, the optics are not very good either. As, as Germany and the UK experience these shortages of various goods, especially energy, you know, coming into the winter, it's going to be even worse. Well, They're going to blame their own governments instead of Putin now because it's their own governments that have sanctioned them. So, I mean, you're a politician or you were a politician. How, what are they thinking? It's very interesting, actually. They're blaming the war on everything. Inflation, it's all the war. I, I was looking last night at some emails sent to me by people on my, through my website, letters back from their MPs. They're writing to their MPs concerned about inflation, concerned about the effects of sanctions. And the MPs are saying inflation. There was no inflation until Ukraine. I mean, kind of, they, they, they refuse to accept responsibility for the massive money expansion, which was always going to lead to inflation, even if Putin had not invaded Ukraine. Um, and similarly now, what is so fascinating is to see France and Germany and Italy in an even more advanced stage 
getting ready for forms of energy rationing over the course of this winter. And the government here completely in denial. But I tell you what, I tell you what, if we get a blooming great big anti-cyclone sat over the UK next February for a couple of weeks, we are going to be in real, real trouble with energy. Uh, and of course, it's why they want you all to have smart meters. They want you all to have smart meters in your home. I have been called. I have been emailed. I am getting letters. I even had a knock on the door from my local electricity supplier telling me that my existing electricity meter is now a fire hazard and dangerous. And therefore, I'm a switch to um, a smart meter. And I've told them I'm happy to take the risk. Thank you very much indeed. And please leave me alone. Because once they've got you on a smart meter, they can reduce the amount of electricity going into your supply. And this is all part of it, you know, go green and the lights go out. So as you say, they are getting themselves into the most extraordinary position. And it's not unrealistic to think that all of those, all of those G7 leaders will all be swept away at the next election. Because just blaming Putin for everything just doesn't cut the mustard anymore. Um, already with Macron, you've seen that France is now politically ungovernable. I mean, literally politically ungovernable. We've seen Johnson take two massive by-election hits. Um, and for all the world, if there was a general election tomorrow, he would not win a majority in Parliament. Uh, we've talked, you know, we look at Japan, we look at Canada, we look at the midterms coming up in America. Um, yeah, you know, uh, sometimes attempts to shift blame work. In this case, I'm not sure they work. Right. But it's so obvious. That's what, that's what bugs me about it. My, uh, my family in Germany would be saying to you, it only took a few months for the world to melt down after Angela Merkel left. And I'm sure you have a very different perception. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'd love to, to hear your, your response to that way of thinking. Look, she sowed the seeds of all of this. I mean, we now look back at 16, 17 years of Moosey Merkel, um, and we realise that actually everything she did, whether it was the social policy of, of completely uncontrolled, anyone can come, doesn't matter who they are, which has led to quite big social dislocation in many German towns and cities, to the massive over-economic dependence on Russia. Uh, and you realise, actually, there's no Merkel legacy whatsoever, other than a whole host of dependency problems that she's now left Germany with. And Der Spiegel magazine, which is one of the most credible in Germany, has a front cover which says something along the lines of, how did we become so reliant on Russian gas? Yeah. Uh, I think the headline is the cold maker with a picture of, of Vladimir Putin. So I think people are waking up about it now. What I really want to ask you, Nigel, and I think this digs into your expertise even more, is what's really going on here? Is this sort of America and the Western world struggling to, to continue to push its dominance on the world and, and places like Russia and China waking up to the fact that we're a lot weaker than we, we think? Yes, there is a Western malaise. There is a Western malaise. Uh, we saw it at G7. Um, we, we've, we've kind of moved from a form of politics and leadership that was about logic was about identifying problems and trying to find solutions to a kind of politics that is more about how I feel 
you know, how do I feel? How does the country feel? Um, you know, Boris seems to be convinced that if we can cut our CO2 emissions, regardless of the fact that India and China will burn more coal this year than they've ever burned, but if we do that, we've somehow saved the planet. So we, politics has moved from being a hard-nosed, hard-headed business to being something that is now very much more about emotions and about feelings and about expressions and about empathy. Um, and it's a big shift that's happened right across the Western world. And it may make people feel good, um, but it's wrapped us up in all sorts of nonsense, like the belief in modern monetary theory. Just being one little example of, 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 of we've, lost, we've lost our pragmatism in terms of our leadership and our approach to difficult problems. Um, and look, you know, I, I just think this is all for the birds. Uh, I, I think it's a massive transference of wealth, money, power and influence that is going from the West to the East. And I'm not sure our leaders have even woken up to it. I mean, they still in Brussels think that the European Union is the epicenter of all that is happening in the world, failing to see that in relative terms, globally, they're sinking into insignificance. I think that's an incredibly perceptive point. The idea that if politics is about what you, you know, the, the feeling and the emotion, then the sanctions make sense. The lockdowns during the pandemic make yeah. sense. All of these weird policies, all these energy policies that have led to shortages of energy, they all make sense if it's all about the emotional perception rather than the reality. And I think energy markets are the first place that that style of politics falls apart, which is why that's what we're seeing in the news right now. Yep. No, absolutely. And just sort of one last thought on that whole area. You know, <clears throat> there was Johnson at COP26. It's the end of coal. The end of coal. Coal will no longer be needed or used in the world. Oh, marvellous. And, you know, Greta thinks it's great. And, you know, and, and if you look at the, 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 the price rises of commodities, look at copper, look at oil, look at gas. Guess which one? And you were right on this a long time ago. Guess which one's gone up more than any of them? Coal. It's gone up more than any of them. Coal usage is rocketing. Even the Greens in Germany now are quite happy to say we better reopen a few more coal-fired power stations. I mean, you couldn't even make this stuff up. But why was, you know, it's back to my point, why was Johnson doing that? Because it's about feeling, it's about emotion. It's about everyone saying, isn't he wonderful? The fact that it's completely wrong seems to be by the by. It must be so aggravating to your political opponents to hear you making this point. I'm sure they would accuse you of the same thing. There was a, a picture of the uh, front cover of The Economist, which had a, a lump of coal inside a glass jar in a museum, and someone had pasted on the, on the top of it, in case of emergency, break glass. And I think that sums up this week's week in review. Thanks very much for joining us, Nigel, and to everyone watching. Thanks for joining us as well.